Hey, mom and dad, welcome back to the Raising Competitors podcast. My name's Jake Thompson. I'm excited you are here as we kick off episode two of season two, talking all about baseball, being 1% better, and how we can be lifelong learners. Today's guest, Joe Ferraro, if you're not familiar with his work at the 1% Better podcast, Joe is an amazing guest. He's an educator. He's a podcaster. uh, He's an entrepreneur heavily involved in the youth baseball space. And and honestly, he was a great guest on the Compete Every Day podcast. We link to that episode uh, in our show notes today. He was on season three. We had an incredible conversation about teaching, about education, uh, and helping develop uh, an attitude of being a lifelong learner in, in students and in people. And so I think you'll get a ton of value out of that. You can check out that episode on season three of the Compete Every Day podcast. But we switch gears a little bit today talking about one of his new projects. Uh, I'm really excited about this. It's called Youth Baseball School. It's a website and resource designed to help parents and athletes with all levels of the game, from basic fundamentals to mental skills training to preparing for trying to play in college and being recruited. And so his team, and they've put together just an incredible resource for parents online at youthbaseballschool.com. And so we get into that. We talk about what lessons baseball has taught him, how it's impacted his life, and, and obviously influenced him going in this direction. What the importance is of connecting with other like-minded parents, parents going through the same struggles you are, maybe not even ones you see face-to-face, but those you can interact with online and and get to talk and have open forum to help you continue to do what you do best, which is raise your kids to succeed in school, sports, and in life. And so Joe and I have a a well-rounded conversation around the mental side of the game, skill development, as well as just this idea of investing in the next generation and how we can all do that better. So I'm excited to welcome him back to my podcast, but I first for the Raising Competitor Show, let's welcome in Joe Ferraro. Joe, welcome to the Raising Competitors podcast. How are you doing today, man? Fantastic, man. I I love to be with you here. Great to see you. Yeah, this is uh, go number three for us. For our parents listening, I was a guest on Joe's podcast, uh, 1% Better. I highly recommend you checking out. We'll link to in the show notes. And then Joe was a guest on the Compete Every Day podcast, talking about his work as a teacher, talking about his lifelong pursuit of growth, of learning, of being 1% better. And recently, he has helped roll out uh, an awesome project that I think would be making for a fantastic conversation for the Raising Competitor show for you parents. And so I had to get Joe on the show this year to help kick off 2020. Uh, But Joe, before we dive into youth baseball school, please tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do now on a, a really a daily basis investing in that next generation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jake was on episode 115 of 1% Better. Awesome feedback. A lot of practical things. The feedback comes in that you gave a lot of practical advice. So my audience love that. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm a teacher. I've been in the classroom for 21 years uh, teaching high school English. In the last 10 years, I've taught English 12, the final course before they graduate, and creative writing and public speaking. And in terms of bang for buck to figure out what kind of teacher I try to be and what I hope to be, I don't want to do everything like everyone else does. My high school experience was good, but I I thought there could be a lot more. So uh, this conversation catches us right on the heels 
of one of my most uh, proud projects, which is called Alumni Classroom. So early in January, I had 58 students come back for one more English class. So I, I don't know about you, but when I was in English class, I didn't exactly hope that the bell didn't ring. <laughs> as soon <laughs> so, as I could get out, let's go. So, so I, I just strove to be the, the type of teacher that 40 minutes didn't feel like enough. And several years ago, when a couple of students that graduated came back and said, I wish we could do it again, I'm the, the zany teacher who says, let's try it. And I figured sports teams have alumni games. Let's have an alumni classroom. And alumni classroom was born, just had the fourth annual. So you're catching me at a time where I'm just, my, my bucket is filled, got a chance to do talk, part English lesson presentation. And I think in a snapshot, Jake, that gives an idea for listeners what I'm trying to do, right? Sharing things I learned on podcasts like yours with my students, practical things, things that they can use. In my mind, if, if it can't be justified to use outside of the classroom, I have a hard time putting it in the curriculum. So that's a, that's a quick snapshot. I also coached college baseball for five years and high school baseball for 10 years. Uh, this is my second year away from the, the game on the field doing some consulting and different projects. But that's a, about as quick as I can make it. And, and it's just <laughs> exciting to look back on. Yeah, so let's let's dive into a little bit on that coaching side because coaching is very similar to teaching in the classroom. You're investing knowledge and skill set, trying to help not only the players from a fundamental skill set around the game. How do you, you know, gr uh, pick up a grounder? How do you throw it to first? How do you hit a curveball? Like you pick up those, but you're also investing life skills, teaching them the importance of getting the reps in, of working through those processes and those difficulties and those challenges. That's even though baseball, uh, honestly, is probably my third favorite sport to watch, uh, it's the one I'm most fascinated by from a lessons. I think it, it helps develop the most lessons within youth because it can be played at such a very, very young age. Uh, you coached college and high school. How did, how did you get involved in coaching to begin with? Um, and then at the collegiate level, transitioning into high school level as well. A lot of luck and timing, you know, and if we believe in the idea that that luck is the residue of hard work, you know, I'll take some of the credit for that to, to be in the right place at the right time to open myself up to opportunities. I actually, to stay with the theme, I went back to, a, to an alumni game. So I think maybe there's something in me that, that, that really values community and, and, and that ongoing, you know, idea that classrooms and, and baseball fields aren't the only place you can learn. And I went back to Pace University alumni game and the new coach was there and I went over to say congratulations on getting the job. And he said, uh, what are you looking to do? And I said, teaching and coaching. And he said, have, have, you, have you thought about coaching at Manhattanville College? And I said, Manhattan, the Jaspers down in, in Riverdale? He said, no, no, Manhattanville. It's a small division three school uh, about 20 miles from now. I went four years at Pace and I had no idea where the school was, never heard <laughs> of it. And to make a long story short, uh, he put in a good word. I went in and interviewed that week uh, they liked the first interview. They invited me back to meet the team the next day. And my audition was basically a 15-minute speech in front of the team who had never met me, and I was 21 years old. So it was an absolutely ridiculous story um, that I think we talked about a little bit um, on our conversation, but it's, it's a wonderful thing. I'd love to open up for people at some point. But for now, um, I, I was off and running. I had an audition in the fall season. We did okay, and I coached there for five years. Uh, while I was there, we were building dugouts. We were doing all the things you hear about today. And I was coaching players that were older than me. After a five-year, just frenetic pace of life, I mean, 
running from an English class to get there and, and, and be there just in time for the game to start. <laughs> Having my assistant rent the van because I wasn't old enough to rent a van to take the kids on the road trips. After that, it got a little frenetic and it was time to think about maybe coaching at the school where I worked. And I ended up leaving the college lifestyle and went into the high school. And what, what really transpired there in the next 10 years was exactly what you touched on earlier. Because I was in the building, I was able to pour into those students on those extra times during study hall. They saw me in the morning. I was in that community and I was teaching those kids. And, you know, it was kind of that thing where, you know, a good break comes out of, you know, who knows what opportunity. And then you can really start to build those relationships. So something like alumni classroom, an email on Christmas from players would have never happened in my first go around because I just wasn't there enough. The lifestyle was too frenetic. And I think, you know, the, the overarching theme that, that you've really pulled out of me is this idea of lifelong learning, right? Relationship-based teaching that I wasn't able or mature enough to do ages 21 through 25. And now when I speak to groups or I talk with people like you, I try to shortcut them so they don't have to make the mistakes that, that I made over those years. Well, and, and the beauty of that is where I, I want the conversation to go next with this new project of yours, because we, there's a, all sorts of teachers in all walks of life. And for parents listening, their, their kids are involved in youth sports. There's usually three or four types of coaches. You have the coaches who come from a very educational background, can't know the knowledge and are very good at teaching the knowledge. You have the ones that were great players and the players can go either way. They can be one of two. You can have the coaches that we see it in every sport. They were really good at playing the game, but they're not the best at coaching because their talent level was such that they could just do certain things and they don't understand when other players can't make that same place. Then you have the type of coaches who maybe weren't the most athletic, most, most talented players, but they excelled because of how they taught themselves to play the game, how they were coached. They end up being really good coaches. And then you just have the poor experience that a lot of uh, youth parents and youth athletes have of the ultra competitive coach uh, here to win at all costs, even though this is a, eight-year-olds playing baseball on a Saturday, uh, not the World Series. And so you get all these different experiences for parents, which can make it such a challenge for kids learning the game and learning the basics of the game, especially if their child is, say, a late bloomer. They're not the most athletic coming out of the gate. And what I find most interesting about when I started to see you sharing this project about youth baseball school is I know that that passion for learning and for teaching others and helping I think as you said it best on the show is, is finding different ways to teach the students in a way that helps them love learning. Like you're coming at that problem from different angles is what got me so excited about this because you've essentially created a resource for players and parents and even coaches to come and, and be equipped in a way that helps them on, on Saturdays, on weeknights and T-ball practice to baseball practice, improve their game and knowing that you're such an avid learner and passion for learning and helping others learn, I know what's involved in this is, is huge. And so tell us, first, give us kind of the, the quick snapshot elevator pitch of youth baseball school, if I did it any injustice. But tell us what was your passion and the team's passion behind bringing this to life? Thanks. I, I think one of the key pieces of youth baseball school, and it's, it's, you know, Kyle Schultz is the mastermind behind it, and he invited me to be a part of it. Youthbaseballschool.com slash Joe, I think, gets you right to the landing page. And I, and I say this, there's a couple of things that are really exciting about it. And, and the first one that bubbles to mind is, is this word curation. 
you know, when we were in school and we'd go on a field trip to a museum and you meet the curator, you're looking out the window. You have no interest in what this person is doing for a living. You don't even think about what that would mean. But with Kyle and Kevin Wilson and a few others, they have put everything in a place that is curated. Now, if you think about the best museum room, this is what this is supposed to be. So you can go, if you're listening, and go to YouTube and type in hitting drills and then look at the avalanche that pops up, right? It's, it's just unbelievable, which is why I think when people listen to shows like yours and then book recommendations come up, people get so jazzed. Like sometimes that's the most shared episode is when you're talking about books because you, Jake, have curated it. You've said, I've looked through 100 books. Here's the four worth sharing. So when you talk about youth baseball school, Kyle, Kevin, and others have invited people on there who have been in the trenches. You have some of the superstars, people like Doug Bernier that have been in the major leagues, people like me who have never played pro ball. So you have this curation and cross-section. So if parents want to go to that site, you don't have to wonder if the stuff is going to be good, quote unquote, because you have Kyle and and Kevin, who have like vetted these people through their journeys in pro baseball, and Kyle's a huge designer on the web. You'll look at the site and see that it's beautiful. And you don't have to go through all the noise, right? It's more signal, less noise. And I think you, you touched right on it with the lifelong learning. If you look at that homepage, you'll see online courses, and you'll just basically get an idea that everything is geared around what can a parent click on and say, hey, that seems like something I should know. And we don't have all the answers, but it's a, it's a curated place where people uh, of lifelong learning, passion get together. And I think it's really exciting. It's, it's still early, but we're really excited about it. Well, and not only the curation of the content, but the variety of content. And, and I say that because if you go just on the homepage that you're discussing, it, some of the courses highlighted, you have, you know, pregame power up, 20 baseball hitting drills, ways to get ready, get warmed up. You have commanding location for, for kids that are pitching. How do you throw to those desired targets? But the next one is the one that stood out to me of the mental side of hitting. Learn the mental side of hitting and developing an approach at the plate, which I think when I grew up, like that wasn't at all discussed. It was keep your eye on the ball. Like that's it. Whereas today it's as I've had conversations with sports psychologists and people in the peak performance space, those conversations around the mental side of sports is becoming a lot more mainstream. It's not woo woo. It, it doesn't carry a negative stigma. And so seeing that approach is huge because I, I think a lot of youth athletes need that and they, they need to understand that. And, and Kip Watson, she's based here in Dallas. Uh, we've had some phenomenal conversations on the podcast about it. And she does some of that similar work solely focusing on the mental side. And, and I've laughed during every conversation. I'm like, God, I wish I'd had this at 15. Like what, what would I have done differently from a sports perspective, from a prep perspective, and then looking at life, how would those mental skills have helped me in, in graduating high school and college and building that growth mindset that we talk about? So it's not just the physical side of the game. It's understanding the mental. It's dealing with the recruiting game, which is just a whole other mess in and of itself for a lot of parents that create so much stress. And so it seems like you guys have a very well-rounded baseball experience for athletes from really young to all the way through high school. Well, I think you, you touched on a, a great page, right? That, that exact snapshot that I took a look at. On the left-hand side, you have the mental side of hitting. In the middle, you have 40 pitching drills. And on the right, you have the recruitment game. So you touched on the mental side, which is incredible. Then you go, if a, if a parent says, well, but I need some really practical things, you have the pitching drills. 
And then on the right was something I think is, is unique, which is Phil Schallenberger from Cairn University. And I went through a recruiting uh, lesson. And it's, it's basically a podcast broken into lessons. So I got a chance to, to kind of host Phil through the process. He developed the course and I asked him questions. So if you click on the recruiting game, parents who are a little bit further down the road can take a look at what are the myths of recruiting, the, including things like the full scholarship. You know, Zach's going to get a full scholarship. We, we kind of tackle that. Or finding the ideal school. So I think what we, you're exactly right. What we've tried to do is give the coach who's hungry for how do I get the right launch angle? We'll have drills for that. But that left-hand side of the mental side is something that when you, when you add it to the, the vetted people that are involved, you, you know that you can trust it. And I think, I think you're exactly right. We were just basically you know, doing 100 drills a day or batting practice from a coach who was volunteering his time. Now we know verbal cues, mental things you should be thinking about. And it's been a thrill to kind of compile all that. Well, and the other aspect that I think ties it all together for you so well is the community aspect. The fact that you have your own area for parents of these players to come in, for the players coming in to learn in, a, in an environment and connect with others. Because for a lot of times, you know, a parent struggles or the, the struggles they're having with the athlete or the athlete struggle may feel like they're the only person going through it because it's the only person they see in their small community, their city, their area. Or in reality, there's probably other parents out there at the same time raising their hand saying, hey, I've got this issue as well. No doubt. you got like-minded folks able to interact. You have, you know, I may be the only person on the line who's never had a Facebook account. But they tell me that the, the uh, interface is almost identical to Facebook minus the political uh, arguments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... You have one page that'll say book recommendations, and that's obviously close to my heart. But then you'll have things that'll say, hey, how do you get adjusted to the 90-foot bases best? And you have all the instructors from YBS joining in. And again, when you have like-minded folks who have been through the trenches, you have some that are parents. Um, like one of the courses that I'm designing is an effective parent communication uh, course. And the idea that, you know, I feel, I feel for the parents listening because sending your athlete off to a high school program or a travel program is a daunting experience because you're really handcuffed. And how, how does that coach communicate with you? It, it says so much. So sometimes when you think about in, in our, in our um, school, youth baseball school, you have an idea of how to market that towards parents, but also help coaches who then have this incredible responsibility to the parents. And I, I just feel like, they should know what they're getting into, right? What we talk about the travel ball experience. We talk about the high school experience. So I really appreciate you, you bringing it to light. It's something we're really proud of. So out of just pure curiosity, what is one of the biggest lessons baseball taught you? Well, you have those basic ones that, that are not basic at all after you look back of being on time, right? Responsibility and how to conduct yourself. But if I guess if I had to think about what, what baseball taught me is, it's such a holistic approach, right? It's, it's kind of that idea that everything matters. You can't just go into one aspect. If you're a great hitter, you know, it's, it's so difficult to be a successful player as you go through life. So I guess I never really thought about it until you framed that question, but those habits, right? The, the idea that you need to be well-rounded, you need to be a team player. Um, I guess I could talk about this for a long time because you know, every coach in every sport feels like their sport is the one that teaches character, reveals character. 
I think baseball does both. I think it teaches character. I think it reveals character. And I think it allows you to practice these habits. You know, I love the word microcosm because at the end of the day, sports allow us to have the most meaningful lessons in something that only feels like it's life or death. And you just don't get those opportunities too often. You're playing in a game, it's the seventh inning, and you feel like everything in the world matters right here. And then you go out into life and pay a mortgage and try to you know, be a successful father. And you realize that, well, it was baseball that kind of embedded these habits overall. So I think when I think back to it, you know, it's just, it's such a holistic picture. You can't just be a star and show up late. You can't just show up on time and not be a good practice player. So I just like that idea of the whole picture. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that question myself, mainly from just looking at the the youth baseball school and, and a lot of the things we've talked about, because there are so many lessons in the game and, and how even just it mirrors life to the fact that, you know, standing at home plate, you're batting. Nobody else on your team's on the field unless somebody's on base. But anything that you do in that singular moment affects other people on your team. Yeah, and, and how and, that translates to like our day-to-day actions, the little things that we do in, in preparation for the opportunities that haven't arrived yet still influence and impact the people that are around us, either in our household or in our jobs and things like that. And, and I think that's just a beautiful part of the sport is even though you feel like you're the only one out there, the implications of what you're doing aren't. Well, yeah, and not to jump in, but think about something like the sacrifice bunt. You know, if, you, if, if parents who are listening are avid baseball parents, they know there is an entire movement to basically never bunt again. In fact, there's T-shirts being printed oh, that God. say never bunt. And, and, and that's a perfect example of what I learned from the game, which is this. That may be analytically correct. That may make sense at the major league le- level based on thousands and thousands and thousands of data points. Number one, that doesn't mean those data points transfer over to the youth level. Let's just start with that. The, the idea that bunting the ball towards third base and that assuming that a, that a little league pitcher or a high school pitcher is going to field that ball cleanly and not throw a bar of soap down the right field line is, is, is a fallacy, I would argue. And number two, think about the metaphor. I don't want to go English teacher poetry on you, but the sacrifice bunt. The idea that you are giving yourself up for the team, the idea that you are not bigger than Johnny, that you have to give up even if you're the third or fourth hitter, a a coach could come back at me and say, well, yeah, but he's the fourth hitter and the the data says he should hit. But we're talking about sometimes things that don't make sense logically work in the real world. And I think that that's, that's the other thing. I think that it's whether or not it makes data sense, I think that's a huge lesson that you can teach a young person. Absolutely. And, and so on that point, I want to, I want to slightly shift gears a little bit because of the, the growing movement around bunting, but also baseball specifically is one of those sports where there's a heavy push by a small group for year round play, never take an off season, never have time off. And and obviously there's, there's people on both sides of the fences in that argument, but you're seeing a lot of the injuries. And, and I know one of the things y'all talk about on your website of like, having a program that helps you deal with the off season, avoid overextending, burning out, you know, everything that goes into kids that never take a break from the sport. And, I, and I'm curious from that standpoint was that in the plans from the very beginning when, when the, the program was putting together and obviously you having coached it being keenly aware of that. Um, and how do y'all fall on the fence of, 
properly managing an off season for someone in high school or not even yet to high school? Well, it definitely was in the plans because an overarching theme of the whole project is to give the best possible information. Now we have too much respect for the parents that are going to go to the to youth baseball school and that listen to your show to tell them what to do. I mean, the other day, my wife and I had a conversation about my six-year-old daughter. She may be not interested in doing dance anymore. Now it may or may not be because her friend isn't doing it, but my wife said, Hey, maybe she can do another night of soccer. And I just had to pump the brake and, and say, let's, let's talk about this over dinner and figure out if we want to get another activity in, or does she really need to, to begin leaning towards specialization of soccer? So even the most well-intentioned parents, when they see a spark, my daughter, Charlie looks a little good out there. Maybe she should get an extra night in that extra night. Isn't always the way. So we do trust parents. We want to empower, empower them with the best information. A really specific way to look at it is, as a throwing athlete, you simply can't throw 365 days a year, especially from a pitching standpoint. It just isn't healthy on a growing arm, isn't healthy on a major league arm. Now, you could do more throwing, less pitching. That's a conversation for another day. But then even if you went to the hitting side where there's much more repetitive injuries, hitting 365 days a year isn't healthy either. Back to what you said on the mental side. It's so difficult to measure the mental side. But it's nonetheless important and, and maybe even more important. So absolutely when we thought about this, we wanted to say, and, and think about it, something like, like youth baseball school or, or even something else that's out there that parents like where they can go for their information, it's, it's giving you options. Maybe you keep the mental side up. Maybe, you know, there's some rule quizzes in the future with youth baseball school. There's some, uh, some mental training, some visualization things you can do when your son or daughter is not playing the sport. So without a doubt, um, we're trying to look at the whole picture. And I think that we, we overlook rest. We overlook, hey, the more the better is not always the case. Well, and, and how often do we struggle with that as, as adults sometimes? If, if you have a side hustle, if, if you own a business, you're go, go, go seven days a week. And the output that you have on day six and seven is, is horrendous, much less day 10, 15, 20. Uh, you just burn out. Like the research shows, like, it's okay to take that time away. And, and the one thing I've had to teach myself over the years is that rest doesn't necessarily hurt your progress. And more often than not, it actually gives you the energy to make more progress during the limited time that you're working. And the same goes with an athlete. You, you know, we can't lift weights, run seven days a week, every week. Otherwise, the body's going to break down. It, it needs that rest. It needs that recovery. And, and we need it as adults in our career. And just like our athletes sometimes need that, you have to modify things. More isn't always better. And so I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective of it, allowing parents to still make the choice, but strongly consideration, like more doesn't always equal better for us. And here's something from my own story on it. Joe, if anyone, obviously you're not a Facebook guy, you've shared that for us, but if someone wants to follow you and your work, as well as also check out Youth Baseball, Baseball School, where can they go to get connected online? Well, we spent, we spent a lot of time talking about Youth Baseball School. So youthbaseballschool.com slash Joe is the easiest way to find what I'm up to over there. Um, One-stop shopping on Twitter and Instagram at Ferraro on Air. Uh, that name was chosen for me years ago when I had no idea what I was doing. My friend's like, you're going to be doing a podcast, so you're on air. Get it? Okay. So F-E-R-R-A-R-O on air. And then my email address is joe at 1percentbetterproject.com. I, I respond early and often. I'd be happy to help anybody. Uh, on that. I love the conversation. You know, one of the things that 
I think you always get me thinking about is how important a good conversation is to my learning. So people listening that have questions, I'm, I'm all ears because, you know, you're, you're part of the curation process. I know your listeners are devoted, intelligent, creative people. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to connect with people like you in this journey. It, it can be lonely, the podcast game. We're out here trying to help people. So I just love it. Uh, you know, I would say it, it, it does get lonely at times. However, the power to create relationships and connections such as, as this one has been so beneficial, so enjoyable for me. Uh, and, and I can't recommend your show enough to listeners. Uh, he's got some of the best guests, uh, some incredible conversations. Uh, so highly recommend 1% Better. We'll be linking to everything in the show notes. Joe, thank you incredibly for coming on the show this week. Jake, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, mom and dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. As always, to get connected and learn more, check out RaisingCompetitors.com. And be sure to support the show by checking out CompeteEveryday.com. You can find some motivational apparel for yourself, for your kids, great podcasts, and other programs that we offer at Compete Every Day. Until then, keep instilling in your kids the importance of competing every day and setting them up for success in school, in sports, and in life. This is the Raising Competitors Podcast. 